ask you to pull out one of those connection cards that's right in front of you. In the pew in front of you should be some connection cards. It's a kind of a stiff cardboardy thing. That, that's it. What color is it? Someone lift up on those things. Blue. It's blue. So pull out that blue card and uh, give us whatever information you'd like. We'd like for you to at least give us your name. But if you, this is your first time, second time, you know, uh, let us have some contact information. We'd love to just be of service to you. If there's something on the back, in some way we can be of help to you, just uh, let us know. Uh, also prayers. We have a prayer group that meets on Sunday mornings, and we are praying for uh, those who put things down on the connection card, so keep that all in mind. Um, when you're done with that, just leave it on your pew, and they will be collected after the service. Now, while you're doing that, let me just share with you some things. Um, we have lunch today. For those who are have first time here, we always serve lunch after our service. So you're certainly welcome to stay for us, uh, uh, stay with us for that. Also, we have the West Covina Bible Study, which is today at 6:30 at the church. It'll be in our social hall. Uh, also, I just want to uh, bring to your attention that we have um, uh, the the West Covina. Pumpkin 5K. That is a race that we coordinate. We, we started it. We coordinate it. We do it for the Senior Center of West Covina. You know, to give you a little bit of background on this, I remember the day when uh, um, Andrew and, and, and Rod, Todd, and myself, we sat down at a table at the West Covina Senior Center. There were, I think, two or three guys all in suits from the city of West Covina, and we had for the first time to talk about this uh, this run, and uh, we wanted to make sure they understood that we were doing it for them. And uh, this is our testimony to our community, and, but it's also an opportunity for any of us to jump in and help in whatever way you'd like to, to help. Um, we really need uh, some help in one particular area as we approach this coming Saturday. We need a, 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 a small handful of people. I need at least four people who are willing to help with the finish line. Uh, we work with the Southern California Roadrunners. That's Coach Danny, if any of you are familiar with that group. And uh, they have been helping us at the finish line. And uh, because we'll probably have close to 400 runners this Saturday, uh, we need uh, some help in just pulling tags off the bibs, recording the time, and, and then we put it on, on the chart. And so if, I, if anyone can help us in that way, let me know. We just need four because he's bringing his team of experienced people who will be doing that. And so we just be working along with them. Uh, we have other things that, that we can be help in. We've talked about everything from the baked goods to the course to the kitty run to uh, registration. We've all talked about that. There's sign-up sheets out there. I know that we had a great turnout yesterday for the... Um, uh, stuffing of the goodie bags. I think you guys put together 400 goodie bags for runners yesterday, and that's really great. And so uh, we've got to lay cones yet. We put out, what, 300 cones, 500 cones. We put out 500 cones over the course of 3.1 3 miles. And uh, then Wednesday, I'm meeting with the, um, the officer of the police department in charge of traffic, and we're going to work out all the, all the, the, uh, all the details of things. And let me see, Stephanie, how are we doing on food? Everything okay? Yeah, okay, good. I'm working, I'll, I'm, I'll give them a little plug because they work so well with us. I'm working with Trader Joe's right now to get some pumpkins. 
So uh, as, as we're just got all these different things going on, and it's, it's really kind of fun. So jump on in. We're doing it for the Lord. This is our testimony for the Lord in this community. He put us here, and there's a reason why he put us here. And so we want people to understand that, uh, uh, that God loves them and that, uh, hey, step on in and let's find out how, what God has done for them already. So that's my little blurb for the race coming up this week. Sorry this week, and I think, there, and we had a team, I can't forget that. We had a small team of people went out yesterday and they walked the whole 3.1 miles putting notification on all the homes of the course. Isn't that great? They did, I, I, I know who you are, so, but I, I'm, I think I know who you are, so thank you. Okay, if you have your Bible open up, I want you to open your Bible up to Matthew chapter 7. Know that this is the sixth study sermon we're doing on our series, Not a Fan. And I hope Not a Fan is, is blessing you. I hope this series of, being, of Not a Fan, the book we're going through as a church, is something that is speaking to you, maybe challenging you, maybe bringing things to mind and to your heart of the truths that God has for you to, to be reminded of uh, in these days. But we're going to look at a text that is uh, hopefully a very familiar text to you because our mission statement as a church is based around this text. If we look at Matthew chapter 7, let me read verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Let's pray. Father, this text is such a vital, life-changing text for all of us to embrace and understand. It is truly a life changer. So, Father, we pray blessing upon this. We pray the Holy Spirit will make this so clear, crystal clear in our minds and hearts today. So thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word and how it speaks to us, a truth that will last for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I've shared this story before, and to be honest, you know, I've been here so long that I only, I run out of so many stories, you know, I got only so many to say. But you know, when I was in high school, um, there's a, a, a good friend of mine back in those days, and he um, worked in a, a, a small store, well, it wasn't really a small store, it was a very nice store, and the owner of the store was a Mr. Clokey. And uh, Mr. Clokey uh, was a pretty well-off man, and uh, he was a member of the exclusive Balboa Bay Club, which is down there right off the Pacific Coast Highway in Newport Beach. Very exclusive club. And uh, I remember one summer day that this friend of mine, we were down at the Newport area. I was all sandy and grubby, you know, from being at the beach. And we're walking past the, new, the, the Balboa Bay Club, and um, uh, this friend of mine said, yeah, my boss, uh, he's a member here. And so he, he said, we should go in there and just check it out. But we couldn't because the gate was closed. And behind the gate was a guard, had a guard box. And that guard box, made he, he was always there to make sure that the only people who enter that gate are people who are members of the Balboa Bay Club. But being high school guys and noticing that the wall around the club is only six feet high, 
Hey, you know, we thought, hey, come on, six feet, come on. So we climbed over the wall, and we got into the club grounds, and we started walking around as if we really belonged there. And then all of a sudden, we hear this voice, this, this shout, hey, what are you guys doing in here? And these guys came running over to us, and they challenged us, what are you doing here? What are you guys doing in this area? You're not members, you know? And so they're leading us out toward, to the, toward the gate, and as he's leading us out, my friend looks up, and there he sees walking past our area, Mr. Cloakey. So he yells, hey, Mr. Cloakey! And Mr. Cloakey looks, and he comes walking over to us, and he talks to the, to the guards, and he says, it's okay, they're with me. That was so cool. <laughs> See, when our life on earth comes to an end, Will Jesus say to you, will Jesus say to me, it's okay, he's with me. See, in our series, Not a Fan, we've been focusing on the importance of being a follower of Jesus Christ and not just a fan. When we think about it, a fan is seen as someone who believes in Jesus, Probably, probably sees the importance of Jesus, probably attends church, uh, probably knows a bunch of scriptures. But a follower is one who seeks to know him better. A follower is one who, who has a personal, growing intimacy with Jesus Christ and desires in their heart to be closer to him each day. It's something that, that is, 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 is not just a one-day thing, two months, years. It's, it's a life direction. It's a dying to ourselves. If you've been following this series, matter of fact, he described it. Pastor, uh, what's his first name? I can't remember his name. Eidelman? He, he, said, he said something that really caught me. He said, a follower of Jesus, it is a romantic pursuit. I love that. You know, it's a life changed from the inside. You know, you know in football, football season, in the spirit of football, when we think of a fan, that's someone that's sitting and watching. But when we think of a follower of Jesus, that is more like someone who actually gets on the field and into the game. So, as you go through your devotions this week, I think it's day two, you're going to come across this text that I just read in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. And so what we want to do this morning, we want to look at that text and break it down a little bit so we can understand it and just kind of take some of these things home today. So let's look at the theology of the gate. Jesus said, For wide is the gate, and broad is the road which leads to destruction, and many enter through it. See, the Bible presents to us two ways of life. One way, following ourself. And when we follow ourselves, most likely what is that saying? We're following the teachings and the values of the society we live in. The other choice is following the teachings and values presented to us by God in the Bible. Now, what's the big difference? 
The big difference is that is just like what Jesus said to Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 6. Jesus said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, our world, our society is centered around self. Our world, our society is centered around what the Bible refers to as the flesh. And by nature, from the time we're born, self leads us. And, and self leads us to a life of what is referred to in the Bible as sin. And we all know that. Why? Because when we read the Bible, sin is associated with teachings about pride and about ego and about covetous desires for more and, and about deception and about greed. And generally what it is, it's a me first and foremost attitude. That is about really, it's, it's me. See, you are important to you. I'm important to me. If not, we wouldn't care about how we, what we dressed or what we ate or anything else. God knows that we are so important to ourselves that he says, hey, how are you supposed to love your neighbor? You love your neighbor as yourself. Can't go much higher than that. But when we talk about a life led by self, oh my goodness, that's where we go astray. See, this is our tendency from birth. It is what the Bible refers to as our sin nature. For many of us, including me, this was life before meeting Jesus. It was a life of sin, which is a life, and, and when you really think about it, it's an opposition to the teachings and the values of God. Now, sin isn't a dirty word. Sometimes people who don't, aren't in church and don't know the Bible and things and how we use this word sin, they think, oh my gosh, that's a dirty word. Well, you don't, don't mention sin. See, sin isn't a dirty word. It just refers to that inner compass that leads all of us without Jesus. And sin, what our text says, leads to what? Our text says sin leads to destruction. Now that doesn't mean some lightning bolt's going to come down and something like that. But what this does mean, it talks about destruction in basically two ways. The first way is what we would consider practical destruction. In other words, it's kind of logical destruction. When we think about deception, when we think about a life of greed, when we think about a life of lawlessness, when we think about pride and ego and all these things, see, many times these things produce destruction and death. Now, what kind of destruction am I saying? Well, it means physical death. You know lawlessness can lead to physical death. You guys know that. You know, if you don't obey the laws in the, on the freeway, you know, you're not going to last very long. There's a lot of things that, that can lead to death, but this also leads to the destruction of what? Relationships with people around you. It could lead to the destruction of wealth or the things of your community could lead to the destruction of, of, of happiness. When you start to go down that path, you may not see it coming, but can lead to destruction of so many things in your life. 
half the work of parents is to help kids understand that at a young age, that if you go from point A to point B in the way that the world says, it can lead to destruction. The second time of this type of destruction that the Bible is talking about here is spiritual destruction. And that has to do with our, et our eternity after physical death, but it also deals with our life here on earth, not having a relationship with God, not, not wanting to, to believe in the values and the truths that God says, not following the way that God says, hey, this is the way you live, and if you live this way, it's going to be blessed. That spiritual destruction, that eternity far from God. See, society doesn't like the thought of hell. Let's just face it. None of us do. None of us like the thought about hell, about this whole idea that there's a heaven and a hell. But the thing is, we've got to just face it. Not mentioning hell doesn't mean it doesn't exist. The text says, For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Why does it say that? Because it's the most natural, the least effort needed way of life. It's just, hey, I just do my own thing. I'm just going to live life my way. See, before Christ, if you were like me, you were skipping down that big, broad road. But Jesus goes on. He says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Wow, we got a flip side here. What does it mean, small is the gate? First off, that communicates restriction. In other words, that gate isn't, isn't for the masses. It's not like going on Black Friday and all of a sudden it's midnight and all the doors fly open at Macy's. It's not like that. It's not for the crowds. It communicates a certain qualification. A certain qualification. A need to meet a required condition. Like membership in the Balboa Bay Club. So how does one get through the small gate? Well, Jesus in chapter 16 said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus is our Mr. Cloakie. He is the one who says, he's with me. When we go on in the Gospel of John, John 10, 7, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. In other words, I'm the one who lets you in. Then in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep 
and my sheep know me. Here we go again. We're getting back to, are you a fan or a follower? Do you really know the Savior? Do we really know Jesus or just know of him? Key question. Generally speaking, how can really, when we really think about it, how can someone really have faith in someone they don't really know? Especially when we're talking about life weighs on that knowing. Key stuff. That's why we're doing this not a fan series. It's so important. It's so basic. It's, so, it's such a, 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 a topic that we can never really just put off in the back and say it's, not, it's, it's just something for, I've heard that before. We ought to understand it and embrace it. See, when we talk about all this stuff about Jesus and, this, and, and being the way of life, I am the way, the truth, and life, no one comes to the Father except by me. Know that all through history, the world has bad-mouthed. The world has, has, has had a critical eye against Christianity because of its exclusivity of Jesus Christ. When everyone else in the Roman Empire was saying, hey, hey you know, you're, you're, you're just one in a group. There are 200 of us that believe this and that, and hey, we're all heading the same way. Here comes a Christian and says, you know what? I'm sorry, you, you need a Savior. Because Jesus came to deal with that, that, that huge barrier between man and God, and that is sin. See, all through history, the world has looked at Christianity as spiritually arrogant and divisive. You guys think you're so good with your Jesus. But Jesus knew this. Luke 12, what did he say? Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. I tell you, but division. They will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Why? Because the choice of following Jesus is personal. It's individual. No one can make it for you. It's all up to you. And when one does, when they really do it, boom, it sets them on a path where their life is going to change. And sometimes people look at that change and say, I don't want you to change. You're my son. You, I've taught you this way all your life, and you've got to do this. I don't want you to change. No, Mom. I'm going to church on Sunday. What? You know, I, all these different things. I remember when I left, I was getting ready to leave for the mission field. My mom was very quiet. I, my mom was such a sweetheart. She, she, she always just kind of supported me in almost everything I did. And then when Amy and I said we're going to the mission field, and we put 
all our things on the front lawn for yard sale. She looked at that and she saw all these things she had given us and we're, we're selling them for like a nickel on a dollar. And she just looked at it and she started gathering them up and putting it in her car. And she was so angry that we would put those things out of there. When we left for Brazil, all the thing, only thing we left were two cardboard boxes about this size. And that was it. Everything, we got, everything else we got rid of. We sold it. We gave it away. We got rid of it. It was gone. And people thought we were nuts. Even this fellow who was a pastor, a friend of mine who was in seminary at the time, thought I was nuts. He said, what are you doing this for? You don't have to do this. I said, I Pretty sure I do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is the way God's leading. He did everything in the world to try to talk me out of it. You know, and that's how sometimes life is. The life of a Christian is an individual life. It's not masses, it's not masses, it's not crowds. It's you and the Lord. That's it. And it's fun, it's exciting. There's no life better. Think about this. Why Jesus only? Why, why is the Bible so strong on it? Only Jesus. When we talk about heaven, when we talk about a life with God, when we talk about blessing uh, from the Father. Well, it all starts with God being holy. God being holy, pure, and just. And then it also, on the same level, it talks about understanding that we are sinful. Hey, we're not living the life God really wanted us to live. We're not thinking the thoughts God wants us to think. We're not, we're not moving in the direction God wants us to move. How every sinful man is and cannot have a relationship the way he is. That's where it goes back to. See, if money could buy a relationship with God, if money could buy heaven, hey, we're all set. If good deeds, doing good stuff, walking someone across the street, you know, vacuuming the living room, if all that stuff was good, hey, man, we're all set. See, we have to seek salvation from the outside. That's what Jesus, that's what God is making so clear. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing in your life that's worth anything to me but faith in my son. Because when you put faith in your son, man, that, he's died for you. He's paid the price. He's already paid the price for you. That price had to be paid. The penalty of sin is death. That price has to be paid. And that's what the cross is all about. No savior, no God. That's simple. See, God provided salvation one way. And one way only, faith in his one and only son. See, that gate is small and narrow. It allows one person at a time. And they've got to have Jesus in their heart. Heaven is God's domain. It's his. He sets the rules. You can't change them. He says Jesus is the only way. Now, what are we doing here on a Sunday morning? Huh? What are you here? Why aren't you getting ready to watch the Rams for the Seahawks? Huh? Why aren't you celebrating over the game yesterday for the Dodgers? Why aren't you at the 
speech. You're here because you have made that decision. You're here because you want to worship that God who has given you that way. When we talk about the mission of our church, what does all this lead to? Where does that leave us? It leaves us that if this is true, we have work to do. Take, for example, you may know Jesus. You may have faith in Jesus this morning, and you feel very secure that if you walked out this door and a bus hits you, you know you're going to see Jesus face to face when you open your eyes, right? Well, let's think about this. If you're in a crowd and bullets begin to rain down on you, are you going to run for safety? Or, or are you going to grab that person, that loved one next to you, and save as many people as you can? See, we know the answer. Our guiding mission statement that this church declares to the world why we open our doors on each Sunday. Opening our doors wide so more can enter through the narrow gate. Now does it make sense? Open our doors wide so more will, will be able to enter that narrow gate. See, we believe that a life with Jesus is the best life any human being could ever live. We believe that faith in Jesus is the only way any person can enter in to eternal life with God. We believe that our mission, we believe our purpose as Christians is to love and worship God, and we do that by loving others and making followers of Jesus. Pretty simple. But that's a big part of the abundant life, is embracing that purpose on why he died. So, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads into life, and only a few find it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, this is, a, this is our text today because of not a fan. So we thank you for this, this book that we have been going through. We thank you for the truths that are presented to our hearts all over these weeks. And, and Father, we pray that it's not just for a season, but it's for our life that we will embrace these truths and move forward in them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.